I just want folks to know that certainly I'm available as well as my colleagues around the state to help you navigate through that ecosystem and help connect you to the right resources at the right stage of your companies. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm Matt Rouse, and today I am here with Laura Kubischek from Oregon Entrepreneurs Network that we will refer to as OEN from this point forward, so we don't have to keep saying it over and over. So, Laura, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Matt. Good, good. And uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do with OEN, and then we can talk about what OEN is also. Sure, sure. So um, I have a role at OEN. It's called Venture Catalyst, and I'm focused on building the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Washington County, as well as serving as the uh, statewide coordinator for the Venture Catalyst Network across Oregon. And we now have seven venture catalysts serving both urban and rural regions. And would you like me to talk a little bit about what I do within the organization? Yeah, let's yeah, let's just get right into it. And then we could kind of talk more about, you know, the other things that we're going to discuss after that, but give people an idea of how it works. And Sure, sure. So as a venture catalyst, I, I used to always joke around it was a highly caffeinated job because I usually meet entrepreneurs in coffee shops. But right now we're doing a lot of uh, virtual meetings. But basically what I do is I meet one-on-one with entrepreneurs. I assess their business needs. So we talk about their plans and where they're at along their plans. And then I connect them either to people, educational programs or capital. And that could be either loans or equity investments that help fuel their success. And then for a select group of people, I also follow up and uh, coach and mentor them. That's fantastic. And I've been to a whole bunch of OEN events. I've been going to your events for years now, actually. Probably, I don't know, maybe four or five years I've been going to OEN events, kind of on and off. So our company's not really a startup. I mean, we're six years old at this point. And it was a merger of two businesses already. So we kind of haven't been in the startup stage for about eight years, probably. But one thing I found really interesting is I, when I go to your events, I get talking with people and then we kind of carry on the conversation later. And then we end up doing a lot of work with people from OEN events. And there's a lot of crossover between other groups like Chambers and BNI and other networking groups. Right, right. Well, that's fantastic to hear because OEN and specifically in my role as well, we do a lot of regional programming on pub talks and workshops. And so part of that is to provide a panel and provide an educational program. But the other side of that is just networking and getting people together, either who are entrepreneurs or support small businesses, and just getting them talking together. And as you've discovered, that leads to, you know, future conversations. And that's exactly what we love to see. Yeah, that's great. And I've, I've met some people that, that I'm still in contact with now, some of them four or five years ago now. I think I met a couple of people there that were just like friends on Facebook and we chat and stuff. We're not like doing business together or anything, but, you know, we shoot ideas back and forth and stuff and we can help them with marketing ideas and stuff. And we're just kind of buddies now. Right. And uh, it's great. A little network that you guys have built there. And I, I say little, but I mean little as in it's it's kind of small group activities. But even though you have a big network. Pub talks are definitely my favorite and not just because they're at a pub. (laughs) 
I mean, usually they're, I mean, they're called pub talks, but the ones that I go to on the West side here, it's, it's kind of just a private room and like there is drinks, but I mean, mostly it's food and conversation, right? Yes, exactly. So we call them pub talks, just as you mentioned, because we typically serve them at a pub or, or at a restaurant in a private room. And so we get together, we have some food We'll get something to drink. So it can be beer, wine or soda, water, doesn't really matter. But really, again, the main purpose is just to get like-minded people together to share ideas and have a, have a chance to talk. And I've heard from a lot of people just similar to your experience. Again, just, just having someone, uh, a neutral person, so to speak, to bounce ideas off of. And oftentimes being an entrepreneur can be quite of a lonely job. So it gets people sort of out of the house, out of their parents' basement or wherever they might be working on their product or service. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just getting out there and talking about it. I think it's uh, it's good for everybody. Well, it's got to be tough right now. I mean, even though, I mean, this is going to air a little later than right now, but today, as of when you talk about like coronavirus and stuff, it's March 20th when we're recording. So like they're just talking about, you know, closing the borders and and this kind of stuff. And Oregon itself has, you know, they're, they're not at the shelter in place stage yet, but I'm pretty sure that's coming down the pipe. You know, so you can't have groups of more than, was it 25 now? I think it might even be down to 10. I think it's down to 10. Yes. And I wouldn't want to be in a group with anybody right now anyway. You know, you just, <laughs> it's better to just stay safe, right? Yeah. And, and, and we'll get back to this part a little bit later on, because I wanted to ask you some other stuff first. But I think that those events that you hold, there are there's there might even be a lot of value that most people who would think about going to an event like that wouldn't see the value up front. So one example is I met someone there who's an intellectual property lawyer at one that I went to a long time ago. And then I had a client come to me with an intellectual property problem and I connected those two people and they did business together. And so the lawyer got some business and the company got their intellectual property protected. And I don't know if they went to court or whatever happened, but, you know, I was able to connect those people who had never met each other and only one of them had ever gone to an OEN event. Right. Also, I see a lot of the people that were startups that you helped with who now they're kind of past the startup stage and have been pretty successful. They seem to connect with each other at your events too. So it's not just startup people connecting, it's actual business people who are kind of at a higher level now connecting. Yeah, I I really appreciate you saying that because what we try to say is that we support the entire entrepreneurial ecosystem. So yes, obviously startups or people even that just have an idea, a concept, that's part of the ecosystem. But equally important are service providers like attorneys, accountants, and also having successful entrepreneurs there as well, because we all learn from each other. So just being able to gather that and also included in the ecosystem are investors. So, for example, some of the pub talks I've held on the west side and as well as downtown, they attract what we refer to as angel investors, which are typically like high net worth people that want to, you know, they had a small business and sold it. So they've been very successful and now they want to give back. So they often come either to these pub talks or other workshops and talk to the entrepreneurs. And it might be that an investment opportunity comes out of it. Right. 
And that also, I I saw um, like Pitch Fest was a really good example oh, of that. Yeah. We had the people come pitch, and uh, I know that at least one of the groups there that I had talked to later said that Pitch Fest had they won some money. I think it was five hundred dollars or something that they won from that, and then but the exposure they got from yes. it helped them get investment later. Also, there was the food one that was done in downtown Portland. We got all the food startups. Yeah, the Angel and, Food uh, Conference. Yeah, and a friend of uh-huh. mine is a buyer for Costco came with me to that and walked around and she was getting people's cards to try and get their samples and stuff into Costco. Yeah. So there's there's great connections with those. Absolutely. And you bring up um, one of the issues that uh, entrepreneurs and small businesses often face, and that's visibility, especially at things like when we do a, a sector focused event like the Angel Food Conference or have a pitch fest. It gives these entrepreneurs and small businesses an opportunity to be more visible within the region. And often that does attract whether it be investments or potentially, you know, purchasing opportunities because buyers from New Seasons, Whole Foods and others were also at that event. Yeah, I think those events are really great. And and startups aren't the only ones who have a visibility problem. I mean, it's almost every business that's a small business has a visibility problem because thanks to the Internet, there's infinite choice now. Right. So right. it's difficult to, for people to differentiate themselves. So what are some of the kind of common issues that entrepreneurs have when they're trying to like start or scale up their business that you've seen besides visibility? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, even before visibility, I would say the biggest issue is funding. I frequently have people that meet with me and and ask me, what's the best way to get some funding? And early on, actually, when I started doing the pub talks, I did one specifically on what we call the funding ladder. And unfortunately, it's really difficult to skip rungs in the funding ladder. So basically, what entrepreneurs start with is maxing out their own credit cards, leveraging some of their assets, and then they go to friends and family and see if they can maybe borrow some money or get a loan. You know, and during this whole bootstrapping period, there might be an opportunity to get some R&D or commercialization grants, but that's usually only applicable to highly technical products. And then others might try crowdfunding or there's microloans from organizations like Mercy Corps Northwest. But just getting that initial funding is tough, but hopefully at that point, entrepreneurs are able to create what we call an MVP And in the world of startups, that means minimal viable product. And so that gives the uh, startup a chance to really get out there. And it could be a PowerPoint demo or a prototype, but you really want to get out there and test your product market fit. And once you're able to do that, then you can climb the ladder and go to these angels or start going to seed funds or other sources of investment. But typically they want to see that you're making some traction or at least have something to test in the market before you start raising serious dollars. You know, if you could do that minimum viable testing right away, the sooner you could test and the faster you could test, the faster that you have something that you could bring to someone so you can get to market. Absolutely. Yeah. I went to a class at OSU. They had a class called Iterate. And one of the things that they were reinforcing during that class is 
try to make just one product, you know, and get some customer feedback and then maybe make two or three before you like go overseas and make a thousand and then realize suddenly that nobody wants to buy the product. You don't want to be in that position where you build something no one wants. Exactly. So that's interesting because that just brings me up another, I wouldn't say it's a common issue, but something I certainly like to reinforce with some of these startups, especially those on the tech side, because they're so excited about the technology. I'll ask, well, have you talked to any customers yet? You know, what sort of feedback are you getting from customers? And sometimes some will say, well, I understand the problem and I'm going to build it. And of course, the customers are going to come. And that's totally not true (laughs) most of the time. Exactly, exactly. That's a little scary. So again, just reinforcing, get out there and start talking to customers and getting feedback as quickly as possible. And then you're likely on a path to success. Yeah, I completely agree. There's a guy, uh, his name escapes me right now, but he was one of the original Facebook employees. I think he was employee number 12 and he quit. Mm. (laughs) So his stock options, he wrote a book. It was called something like how I lost a $1.7 billion or something. That's what his stock would have been worth. But he ended up building another, another company, actually several that have done really well. And one thing he always said was like, he was doing a talk at, I think it was Y Combinator and he was doing a talk and he said that you have to be able to sell in your own backyard before you should expect anybody to give you money. And he was saying, how can I sell it to like friends or family or, you know, someone locally who needs it? It should be the first step. Right. And if you can't do that, then you don't have a viable product and you shouldn't be asking anyone for money. Yes. Yes. That's good advice. It's not always true for every type of product. I mean, some things, technical things have a lot of R&D that go into them. And but if it's, you know, a food startup or a SaaS product or something, you should be able to at least sell to somebody, right? You know, get some feedback before you can, you know, make some pivots or changes and work your way from there. But all right. So do you have a good piece of advice for a new entrepreneur or even for a seasoned entrepreneur who wants to grow their existing business? Absolutely. Certainly for new entrepreneurs getting getting into it, I tell them just to get out and talk with people. So talk with potential customers, bounce off the idea and and get their feedback, network with fellow entrepreneurs. People can get great advice from people that are out there trying to start their own businesses and seek out mentors. I, I think that's that's really important to get someone who has gone through some of the trials and tribulations of starting a business and and can help you maybe skip some of those uh, chasms you might get caught into. The other advice you, you had mentioned Introducing an entrepreneur to an IP attorney. I think it's really important that early stage startups think about setting up their business properly. We do a a, a workshop called Startup 411, where we do that with a, a business person combined with an attorney. And there's just lots of questions like, should I start my business as an LLC or a C Corp. And what does that mean? And I think at least thinking about how you want to start your business will just help prevent headaches that you might get later on. And then I guess one of the final things I would say is really nail down your elevator pitch. So you're going to get out there and you have to be able to 
clearly articulate in a very short period of time, you know, what problem are you trying to solve in the market? What's your solution? And how do you do it better than anybody else? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's just for new startups either. I think everybody needs to have a well-refined pitch so that when somebody asks you that question, what do you do? You don't get into that whole old school spiel of, well, my grandpa started the business 40 years ago and blah, 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 right? You know, you got to be able to say, who are you? What do you do? What problem are you solving? How do they get it? Yeah. And you need to be able to do that in a very short period of time because otherwise you lose people. Exactly. Exactly. People have pretty short attention spans. Yes. People may need to understand it right away or they're going to move on to somebody else who can. Right. And I think kind of in that pitching system, a good place that people can look for that is the building a story brand is a good book for that. Mm. Uh, they have a whole chapter on kind of how to make your kind of one sentence, two sentence kind of pitch of, of what is it you do and how can you help someone? I found it really helpful. Yeah, it's great. I mean, people ask us, what does your business do? I say, I help other companies make more money and serve their customers better. And they go, well, how do you do that? And then we have a conversation about it. And then I could kind of tailor the responses to what type of business they have after that point. Yeah, well, that's great. It's great, you know, as part of your pitch that you have a hook. Right. So that intrigues people and they want to find out more. So that's a nice way of doing that. Yeah, I think another thing that people need to keep in mind also is a, a question that I get asked all the time at business networking events is, who is your customer? Like, who who are you serving? And being able to identify or, or clearly articulate who your perfect customer is, or at least who's in your market, without saying something like, you know, I sell skin cream, so my customer is anybody who has skin, you know, which is totally not true, Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I think that's doing something like a customer avatar workshop or, you know, something where you can help help identify kind of who the groups are that you're trying to serve is not only going to serve you in being able to help kind of refine your business model, but then you can also you can articulate it to other people. You can articulate that to investors and it'll help you with your advertising and targeting and all of these things. Right. Yeah. So that's another key piece of advice that I share. And it really doesn't matter if you're a new entrepreneur or a seasoned entrepreneur is that mantra of focus, 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 because it's so easy to say, well, I serve the entire United States or like you said, anyone with skin, you know, I have this skin cream and I think you can be a mile wide and an inch deep. And then those types of people tend to not make traction. So I often say focus and develop a beachhead. And then from there, then you can expand to broader set of customers. But if you don't focus and do that, you're quickly going to run out of time and money to really make things happen. Yeah. And there's that kind of the Kevin Kelly thousand true fans idea, right? Where if you're a freelancer or you're starting a business, if you can get a thousand people to give you a hundred dollars, you can make a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Like Seth Godin always says, instead of yelling at everyone and then whittling it down to the few people you need at the end, just whisper to the people you need at the beginning. So I, I think that's a good spot for us to talk a little bit about pub talks again, because all the restaurants and all the bars are closed in Oregon. So you can't have any pub talks right now. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Are you guys thinking about doing uh, anything online at this point or maybe down the road? 
Uh, that's a that's a great question. Where um, sort of taking things day by day, just because things are, are changing so quickly. I know that both for the West Side Pub Talks as well as the ones downtown, we pretty much have postponed them until May. So we're hoping to get going again in May, but there are some things that we're trying to do remotely. So I know one of the things I'm trying to do right now is just gather as I see interesting articles or come across interesting things to share with the entrepreneurs since we're missing the pub talks. I'll try to get that out, but we're just getting ready to launch an investment education series. Okay. We typically, we did that last fall. We did a women's investment education series to try to get more women investing in early stage companies. And we did that, you know, face to face within the stories office. But what we're going to try to do this time around, just because of limitations of bringing groups together, is we'll try to do that remotely. And so we'll introduce people in terms of like the world of investment in terms of small businesses, potential risks they might take, you know, considerations for due diligence when you're researching a company and then common investment vehicles like for early stage companies like convertible notes. And one of the things we found is it was certainly educational to people who potentially might want to invest, but it was, it was equally interesting for entrepreneurs. I invited a couple early stage uh, startups to the first series and you learn a lot as a startup, what the investors are going to be looking for, what questions they're going to ask. So it gets you better prepared when it is your turn to go ask for some money. You're just in a lot better position. So from the pub talks and some of the events and stuff that you had, what is kind of one of your favorite stories that maybe you've either heard at a pub talk or maybe like somebody who's gone through OEN's system of helping entrepreneurs? Do you have like a favorite one that you've helped? Yeah, I, I just did a pub talk recently on learning from failure. Oh, yeah, that was good. I was there. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. So, you know, at, at that particular pub talk, I had four very successful entrepreneurs who were really willing to discuss their entrepreneurial journeys. And they certainly had some peaks and valleys as they went through the whole process. And one that definitely resonates in my head was an entrepreneur who lost his home and all his belongings. And he ended up living on the floor of his office with his Labrador retriever for five months. That's right. But then he went on to build a different but very successful company that he recently sold to a big brand. So I think I got so many emails after that particular pub talk about how raw and honest the entrepreneurs were in terms of sharing their story and how much it impacted the people that that were there and just reminds you of some of the attributed attributes it takes to be a successful entrepreneur, to be ambitious and be willing to take risks. And that was the 2008 financial crisis where he lost his house and everything. Yes. Because he had leveraged his house and basically all of his belongings and everything were leveraging his company, expanding, and then everything kind of fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. Timing is everything, right? That's true. Yeah. 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 That was a really powerful talk. Well, thanks. 
And the other one there that was really good, there was a lady there that was from a, she had a food startup and she was talking about like kind of the lack or loss of relationships through the whole process because basically being married to your work, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes it really hard to have friends and stuff. And she was saying how friends are always, you know, kind of bugging you to go out or do this or do that. And it's not that you don't like them. You know, you're just busy. And then you get to this point where you can't, you almost can't relate to them anymore because you are so much tied up in the world of business and running a business. And your other friends are people who have jobs that they go to and then they go home and then they have free time. Right. And it's a whole different world. I think that's what you said earlier, too, about it can be lonely being, you know, an entrepreneur sometimes. And I think that's a big part of the problem is you just get into this world that nobody knows anything about. Right. Right. And that's we often talk about to the um, entrepreneurs about it being a lonely, difficult job. And I've been talking to some successful entrepreneurs because one of the things that people don't talk about is sort of the mental health of of startups. And it's pretty striking how it impacts people when you're so focused sometimes, especially again in the early stages, you're so focused on trying to take your idea and turn that into a successful venture that you do lose touch with people. And all of a sudden you wake up and you go, sort of, where am I? And so being able to have that network, sort of safety network of people that that you can check in or to have people check in with you just to make sure that everything's okay. I think it's really important to take into account the mental health and well-being of people. And it's great to have other people there who are going through what you're going through. So, you know, you're not kind of the only one on the journey there. Right, right. So I want to ask, just because of, you know, the whole coronavirus thing going around, if you've heard or seen anything that can help startups or, you know, just even regular business people kind of weather the storm here right now. And if you have any suggestions for that. Absolutely. So there's a lot of emails I've seen coming through just in the last couple of days. So I know one of the emails that came in this morning is from Business Oregon, and they're collecting resources from all the counties around the state. And so they're going to post a list of resources that people can go to. And I know that Amanda Oborn, who's the executive director of OEN, also collected a set of resources, and those can be found. She sent that out to the distribution list of OEN, but if you're not on that distribution list, you can just go to OEN.org. And so Amanda's developed a list. Prosper Portland is creating a list. So I would say definitely check into your local city, county, and then Nonprofit organizations like Built Oregon and OEN, they're all creating lists of resources that people can go to just to see um, what sort of resources might be out there to help them out. Cool. And we'll put those in the show notes, too. So you can get the show notes on your podcast provider. You go to hookseo.com slash podcast. You can find it there. Laura, do you think there's anything else that I haven't asked you that you think is important either right now or just for kind of entrepreneurs in general? I think we've covered a lot of it. I I, I guess I would just like to share, and it goes back to the role I play as a venture catalyst just within the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And again, there's six 
of us that are located around the state. But sometimes it can be daunting as a as a new company and knowing what resources to go to. I know 20 years ago when I moved to Portland, OEN was pretty much the only game in town supporting startups. But now I actually have a resource guide of about 40 different organizations. And so the fabulous thing is there's, you know, 40 different organizations out there supporting early stage startups, but it's a daunting task as well. So I just want folks to know that certainly I'm available as well as my colleagues around the state to help you navigate through that ecosystem and help connect you to the right resources at the right stage of your company. So I just want people to know that we're there to support them. Yeah, it's great. I love OEN. I've been uh, coming to your guys' events for a long time and, you know, I hope to be able to keep supporting you guys in the future also. And, you know, we'll get this podcast put out as soon as we can. We had it slated for April, but we should be able to push it up into March, maybe middle of next week. So I will let you know how that goes. And hopefully if you're listening to this, you've already listened to it. So we've already got it out. Yeah. So Laura from OEN, Oregon Entrepreneurs Network, and that's it's OEN.org, right? Correct. So OEN.org, if you want to get more information, you want to get a list of resources. And thanks for coming on the show. Well, Matt, I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you today. Thanks. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next time as we speak with Addie Clevett from Business Success Consulting Group. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.